this is pretty much where I want, you know, first of all, weed is free, no, not free, but you can smoke it and you can buy it. And so I could work in, you know, in distributing it, one would think, as opposed to in Texas where I could do that conceivably and yet end up, you know, in trouble. Hello and welcome to Here in LA, Van Nuys edition. Today we talk with Asher Garber, a fascinating man who grew up in the Valley, moved over to Austin, where he lived for over 20 years, running a groundbreaking rock and roll club, and recently moved back to the Valley because Texas just ain't big enough for him. Asher is a big-time Dodger fan, a music lover, and an all-around mensch, unless you cross him in the comment section online. We talked on a rainy day in the Valley as he fed his dog treats to keep him from wilding out. You might hear his uh, chain rattling a little or his collar rattling. We talked about some tragedies that crossed Asher's path as a young man. We talked about what, how he helped shape the Austin music scene, South by Southwest, and marijuana. So, with no further ado, here's Asher. Hey, 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 everybody. I'm in Van Nuys with Asher. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm in Van Nuys with Tony. It's great. Asher, welcome back to the Valley. Thank you very much. You grew up here, right? I did. I was I was born in, uh, I guess, the Reseda area was the hospital. And then I was around for that uh, very first earthquake, uh, the 1971 earthquake, the Silmar earthquake, I guess. It's Do you called. remember it at all? Uh, well... You know, I was, I don't remember it, but it was probably like the happiest time in, in our family's life, in our family's history, because uh, my parents had thought that they, my crib was usually underneath my dad's bookshelf, and uh, my grandparents had visited for a week, and so they had rolled my crib out into the middle of the room, and my grandparents slept under the bookshelves, and then my grandparents had left, and the earthquake happened that morning, and my parents had no idea if the books were falling on top of me. And so they came running down in unison to my room and I was uh, standing in the crib apparently, looking at all this stuff falling down, thinking this is the greatest thing ever. And they were so happy to see me. It was like the happiest moment the three of us have had together. Because wow. <laughs> they were divorced like three years later, you know? Really? Yeah. So we, we went to school together. Yeah, Santa Barbara. Go Gauchos. Do you remember me? Because I don't really remember you. Yeah, I, not really. Right. I, I think we, we met through Martin Boer's uh, yes. Gauchos in Space. Yes, which was, which was right after we graduated. Right. He had set up this email list of yes. all these people so that we could keep in touch because this was well before Facebook and, right. and all those other things. So. And Martin and I ran into each other. So we worked together at the Inside Wave. Uh, but we we did alternate weeks. He was a political editor, and I was a humor editor. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we were every other week, so we never saw each other in the office. We saw each other at meetings. And so one day, uh, I had moved out east, and he was already there. And apparently, he was working at The Nation. And I was working in tax law publishing as an editor, as a copy <laughs> editor. <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, I went looking for a Mexican restaurant, and I found the big enchilada. 
<laughs> and I'm standing in line at the big enchilada and Martin Boer is there screaming, hey, inside waves. And we're like two gauchos <laughs> in the middle of Manhattan at the only Mexican restaurant we could find. How is the Mexican food in New York? It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but you were wise. You moved to Austin, Texas. Right. How was the Mexican food there? It was amazing. Yeah. Yes, it is. Tex-Mex is a wonderful cuisine. Yeah. Yes, it's... So, okay, so here we are with you back in Van Nuys. Uh, this is a relatively new apartment. Yes. Is this a new apartment? Yes, brand new. You are near, is this the silver line? What do they That's call the it? That's the G line, the orange line. The orange line, which yeah. is a silver bus. Yeah, and it's, it's, on, um, it's, it's on what used to be, I guess, the trolley rails. Uh, when I was growing up, there were just rails, and I didn't know what they were, and I thought, oh, it would be really cool to see a train come down these tracks, but they weren't for a train. They were for trolleys, apparently. Mm -hmm. And so uh, during my time in Austin, those uh, tracks were yanked out, and they put in a walkway and a bike path, and uh, they grew green shrubbery around it, and now they've got a bus line going by, and it's great. I love it. And, and what's crazy about this apartment is you were super close to this bus line but yeah you don't even hear it sometimes you hear it though mm. yeah and it's not bad i mean yeah. I, I like to think of uh elwood blues in his apartment you know it's how often do these tr trains come by <laughs> you don't know the line i don't know the line so often you won't even notice <laughs> <laughs> i hate calling up a fan and not know his words but i did it <laughs> I might be the biggest Blues Brothers fan in the world, so right uh, you fell right into my trap. <laughs> okay, let's talk. Oh, my God, what time is it? That says 4.20. Does it always say 4.20? It always says 4.20. <laughs> I got the idea from my dealer, and I said, you know what? That's such a great idea. I'm buying my own clock, pulling out the batteries, and leaving it at 4.20. Oh, my God. So let's build a, build a, build a cat from uh, Blooms County yes. who looks, looks like he's... Getting He's enjoying the 420 from time to time. Uh, okay, so you, when did you move to Austin? I moved to Austin in April 99. 1999. Yeah. And you set up one of the coolest rock clubs in Austin, which is saying something. Yeah, thank you. Because there's lots of cool rock clubs in there Austin. There are. Uh, and you set yours up uh, on Red River. Is the address 710 Red River? Yes. So that's why your club was called Room 710? Right. And the reason that I think it's so cool is it 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 reminded me a lot of Isla Vista. If if Isla Vista had a small rock club in exactly. it, exactly was yeah. that your goal when you? No, the goal was the, the goal was to do something good with the money I had inherited. You know, in '93, I'm going to go back a little bit. In '93, uh, my mom was murdered, and uh, uh, by her second husband, who then killed himself. And so my sister and I went through the process of grieving as well as inheritance and a lawsuit. And then my grandmother passed away. And so my sister and I ended up with our mother's share of our grandparents' estate. And so it was just a lot of money to have. And there was a lot of pain and agony that was going on because of the murder. And so I was always nervous about using the money uh, for anything that I thought would like I don't know, vainglorious aspects, you know, mm -hmm. like going on vacations, you know, buying the cars, wearing the furs, like there's no need to do anything like that. I would love to see you in a fur. <laughs> <laughs> 
closest we have is my dog shed all over the jeans. So yeah. So uh, so you know, I, I I arrive in Austin and I have the most money that I would ever have, and um, I bring my dog down to the dog park, and uh, eventually I meet I meet my business partner there. This other guy who likes to smoke a lot of pot and walks his dog at the dog park, and he happens to know a lot of the, a lot of the rock bands, and he tells me one day, you know, this is what I would do if I had money, and I thought, yeah, you know, that's a great idea. I've got money. <laughs> you know, might as well, might as well help do that. And so we created Room 710. Uh, now, uh, from what I remember, Red River was not a hot street right. when you moved into it. Right. Was, it, was that kind of part of the charm that you could get this club for a little cheaper than if it were on that, 6th Street? That was all of Austin in 99. Mm-hmm. You could get all of Austin for cheaper than LA. And I, I couldn't do this in Los Angeles. I couldn't open up a rock club in Los Angeles. It's too big of a market. The real estate's too expensive. The, I mean, I got, I got my own shenanigans. I got taken advantage of, but it would have been probably three times worse than Los Angeles. Right. And the club wouldn't have lasted nearly as long as it did in, in Austin. So yeah. there's still like all that rock and roll bullshit you have to put up with, but it's, it was to a degree that, a, a dumb shit like me could open up one of the hottest rock clubs in town. And Red River, you know, Red River has had its own punk rock scene for a long time, but that was where all the homeless were. It had long been where people shot up. You know, if you're going to find heroin, you would find it on Red River. Oh. Oh, yeah. Like in the 20s. I was looking on the wrong street. <laughs> it was right there under my nose. Well, you had to follow your nose. Yeah, down to some really bad alleys that would be like, wow. Was your back alley a a place that people (laughs) shot up? No, but across the street at Beerland, Mm -hmm. there was a dead end alley, and Mm -hmm. that alley was dark. Right. And that was where, like, that was where all the shit went down for the crack. I mean, if you're going to see, you know, some poor crack whore blowing three guys, it would be outside of Beerland in that alley. Yeah, it was too bad. I was on the wrong street. Uh, okay, well, I also want to state on the record, thank you, because um, you hosted uh, an, uh, an LAist Battle of the Bands That's right. at Room 710. That's right. Which I would never have been able to do in Austin if I had not known of you, because you were generous enough not to charge me anything. Well, we don't do that. <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and this was during South by Southwest, which is going on right now. Right. Do you miss South by Southwest, by the way? I, I, I'm so happy to be far away from South by Southwest. <laughs> uh, there is, there's always that pang in Austin. It was terrible. It was really bad. Uh, we closed in 2009. And so from 2010 till the 2015 or whatever, it's always a pain, pain in the ass. Right. You know? so, so I would go there. Uh, first with BuzzNet, shout out Mark Brown, and then later with LAist, and then uh, LA Times. And I always loved it because I'm parachuting in, and I enjoy the the three or four days of tech, and then five days of rock and roll, and then I come home and I'm exhausted. And when I was running LAist, I was like, how do we get LAist on the map, especially outside of LA? And I thought, because I'd seen it, that there was kind of... Not a lot of rock and roll during the tech week. Right. And and then the rock and roll like slowly built during the music. So I was like, if we could do it like at the tail end of tech and the beginning of music, that would be like the perfect sweet spot because the bands would kind of be in town, some of them. And so what we did was we got uh, two bands from L.A. Uh, Rocket was one of them. And two bands 
uh, from Austin, right? Uh, Quiet Company, who was always huge in Austin, right? And then you set us up with another. I'm trying band. to remember their name right now. It was the three piece where right a, a lady. Oh no, she was she was on fire. I want to say Black Holocaust. Yeah, I think that's who it was. Okay, and um, they were great. Yeah, everybody was great on this bill. And I think we brought some people into your club. Absolutely, sold no, some beers. It was wonderful. It was. It was. It's always a win-win situation. Situ- you know, something like that because it's, you know, we were we we were open to sell beer. That was how we made our money. Mm-hmm. So the people who came in, you know, we we're not going to charge you a stage fee uh, necessarily. You know, it's always great to get that money during South by, but you know, there's no point necessarily especially on the sunday you know to us south by started that following tuesday mm-hmm. with the last local show mm-hmm. and then everything became wristbands okay so when it's wristbands when it's south by time real music time yeah promoters will pay you a, a bag of cash and some blow and say i need your club for a couple days is that how it goes they they could do that for the day party if they wanted i wish they did <laughs> <laughs> I probably wouldn't have taken the blow, but you know, the money would have been right. nice. Yeah. So, so the nighttime is different. Nighttime is set up by South by, and so if you're part of the South by showcase, then they they book all the bands. I see. Yeah. And so you sign up to be part of the showcase because then South by proper pays you for. They pay us a, a a stage rental fee, but really we make our money off of the off of the booze. And you know, and you up. That's when you up the the charges. You know, everything that used to be. I mean, now the prices are out of control. But right. what used to be a five fifty drink would become a seven dollar drink, and now well, that's not of course, too bad. That's, now it's not too bad. Back yeah. then, it was like. <laughs> but it, but you're not gouging people. I mean, a buck no. fifty more in Austin. It was though. If you were in Austin night and you walked into room seven ten uh, on a wristband night and you got charged seven dollars for Crown and Coke back in two thousand and two, you'd be like, "What the fuck is up with this right. place?" Yeah. But but everybody was doing it right. Was Beerland during not South doing by? It? Yeah, Beerland. Beerland was their own beast. Beerland was there. There is because with every punk rock movement, there is a need to tell the corporate to fuck off. Right. And Beerland was built by uh, by Randall Stockton and his wife Donya, and uh, they're just true pure punk rockers. And they didn't do the drugs and they didn't do the drinking, but they hosted the music. Right. And they would make sure that that place was standing. And that's about it. That's all he could say. You can't complain about the smell. You can't complain about anything else because it's standing and you get to watch this rock show where people are bleeding and spitting and sweating all over the place and mm-hmm. it's safe for you to be there. And so Randall and, and Donya knew so many bands that they didn't need to have a South by uh, sponsorship. They just ran their whole thing South by free. And so they were just packed all the time because if you're coming to Austin to see punk rock shows during South by, you know that Beerland's your spot. Wow. And so you would just have people there from 10 in the morning till two in the morning. I'm pretty sure I saw the, the, uh, the all Japanese teenage girl band, Oreska band there. Yeah. Uh, They were big on Japan night. Yeah. Oh, Beerland sponsored Japan Night. Well, the they they were big with the J- Japanese band. Actually, um, it was uh, Elysium that did Japan Night because mm. they were a three thousand capacity. Oh wow! Uh, in comparison, our capacity during South by was uh, they we went from two twenty one to like two ninety nine. You could get three hundred people in there. That's all we could do. Yeah, I mean that seems like a lot. 
It seems like a lot, but we could probably, if you, if we really wanted to great white it, we could have done like three fifty. <laughs> great white. Uh, what were some of the, your favorite bands that played at uh, Room Seven Ten? Well, uh, the steadiest ones were Tia Carrera, uh, Pong. Uh, those guys were always there for us. Squat Thrust was my favorite. Uh-huh. Um, just, I mean, what better band name do you have than Squat Thrust, <laughs> right? <laughs> And just completely talented. Just completely talented. You're just like, how are these guys not signed? You're like, oh, yeah, well, there's a reason why they're not signed, because they are squat thrust. <laughs> Which means they're a little too punk rock. A little from- too, yeah, they do some things that, you know, is going to get you off the label. Oh. Oh, yeah. But I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I don't know any specifics. I don't you were know upstairs any stories. in the office. Upstairs in the office thinking, why isn't squat thrust, like, Somewhere, somehow, <laughs> doing something else. Any uh, big name acts play club uh, or play room seven ten while you were there? Well, you know, the South by was what brought in most of most of the big name bands. So you have to apologize. So, uh, well, I, I would say the, the coolest thing that happened at South by was uh, uh, White Stripes were being promoted, and so we had their of- official first showcase. Really? Yes. So they were being promoted during South by. And so it was a hush, hush, secret band type thing. Uh And they were going to perform at 710. And it turned out that it was like their first national exposure show. So it was like the one that made them, you know, the whatever people were writing about. Yeah. Is there video of this or audio? There's no video of it, but I could I could tell you that uh, you know I was asked to let her change in the in the office. Meg, sure, yeah. Meg changed in your office. Yes, Meg changed in my office. That's beautiful. Let her in, and I closed the door, and then she came out, and I said, "Have a good time." Yeah, (laughs) nice red top and red pants. Right. (laughs) So probably my favorite conversation was with uh, a victim's family uh, from San Francisco, some hard rock pioneers, and. Really cool, low-key guys, and it was just fun. It's just a, you know, it was a fun, fun club to have. So you spent 20 years in Austin? I spent 24 years. 24 years yeah. in Austin. The, the longest stretch you've ever been anywhere, right? Probably, yeah. Absolutely. What made you come back to L.A.? Well, it's funny because what got me into Austin from L.A. was L.A., and now what gets me back into L.A. is Austin, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were pushed out, do you feel like? Absolutely, yeah. Did you miss L.A., though? There was some that I missed. I mean, you know, everyone misses their childhood. Everyone misses, you know, they. when I come back and I drive around and I'm whimsically thinking. But, you know, it's not like, oh, I wish I was here the entire time. Right. No, it was more... It, the, the problem with Austin was when COVID happened, everything became unaffordable. And, uh, and you lost your working class. And we all got pushed out of the city. And outside of Travis County, which in Texas, you move from one county to another, especially from Travis into either Hayes or Bastrop. I mean, you're like, you might as well be moving into a deep southern state. It's that it's that it's very it's very bad. I think it's very bad. So I'm Jewish. So, you know, (laughs) they don't like the Jews in Texas. We just have a lot of cultural uh, PTSD. So, yeah, if someone looks at me kind of funny because I'm wearing a Dodger hat, uh, I will, you know, first I'll be like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm from California. And then yeah. it's like, well, why am I feeling this way? Oh, yeah, it's because my people have been <laughs> pegged for so long. There's, are there Jews in Texas? I feel yeah, like there's, there's, there's a yeah, bunch yeah, of Jews there, there, there right? are Jews in Texas. Okay. But, you know, but are there Jews in Elgin? 
which is where I was pushed out to for mm. for a year. And the answer is no. There was Osher, you know. <laughs> there was Osher. <laughs> the uh, rattling that we hear is your beautiful dog Murgatroyd. Right. He's a how, Catahoula. How old is he? He is eleven years old. He's got a lot of life He's for. Got a, a 77-year-old dog. Yes, with two knee operations. Absolutely. Wow. He's pretty wild. And he's got the David Bowie uh, eyes. Yes, he does. One blue, one gray? Yeah. I like it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, okay, so did you think about any other place when you were thinking about leaving Austin than L.A.? Oh, no. No. This was it. This was it. I mean, you know, a large, a large part of it is because my dad just turned 82. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, this is, this is pretty much where I want, you know, first of all, weed is free. No, not free, but you can smoke it and you can buy it. And so I could work in, you know, in distributing it, one would think, as opposed to in Texas where I could do that conceivably and yet end up, you know, in trouble. Is is that what what you want to do? It's here? one it's one reason why I came out here. What what I I so one reason why I went to Austin was I was writing my book about my mom's murder, mm -hmm. and uh, and I felt like I could finish it out there. And unfortunately, it took twenty four years, but I finally finished my book about my mom's murder. Congratulations! Thank you very much. And uh, and so one reason to come out here is to you know get back into the industry because I'm I'm a writer more than I am a weed salesman, but I'll be a weed salesman until someone wants to you know hire me as a writer. And you know I'm 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 more of a writer and uh, than I am a podcaster or Uber driver. Yeah, exactly. But whatever gets us across the finish line, right? Exactly. You do what you do. You do what you have to. So are you employed right now? In the I am not employed right now. I just got to town on Monday the 20th. Really? I, yeah. Right on. Yeah. All right, good. So, you know, I hope to be employed soon. So you, you texted me almost as soon as you got here. Absolutely. I'm so warm yeah. inside. Yeah. God bless you. All right. So wh what's your dream weed job in L.A.? Uh, just probably just a regular salesman. I could be, you know, I could open and, you know. I you want to be a bud tender somewhere? Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Have I mean, I, I think, you know, I just think having running a, a live music venue, I, I've handled cash. And, you know, I just think I'd be like a, you know, a good safe person to have behind the, the register. But that's you know. for sure. Do you know all the definitions? You know, all the because anytime yeah. I talk to a weed person, which yeah. on this podcast, we've talked to a few. They, it's like a whole nother. Right. Thesaurus. Yeah, I couldn't get into all that type of thing. But, you know, in my opinion, it's like you walk into a store, uh, there's the hot 20-year-old, and then there's the, the young stud muffin, and then there could be me, right? The 52-year-old grizzled Jewish guy wearing a Dodger cap, like, hey, what are you looking for? Is there a Jewish dispensary that, like, embraces it? I don't know, but I came to town with Kosher Kush, which... Uh, <laughs> Which won, uh, which won Cannabis Cup about 10 years ago, was blessed by a rabbi, and is still being sold on the market in Austin, Texas. So. Kosher Kush. <laughs> Tell us a little something about Kosher Kush. It's, uh, well, it's definitely a Kush. That means it's more of an indica for you. Uh -huh. and, uh, but, but most importantly, the seeds were blessed by a rabbi, and that <laughs> is really all that matters. That sells it right there. <laughs>
let's talk about the valley. Okay. You grew up in the valley and you moved back to the valley. Right. What was it like uh, growing up in the valley in uh, what is this late seventies, early eighties? Yeah. Well, uh, so I was there nineteen seventy through eighty one until my family, until my mom uh, moved us to Portland, Oregon, and then I came back in eighty five. Oh, I didn't know so, that you moved. Yeah. Well, my mom was an educator, right. and uh, and she ended up, uh, you know, she wanted to have. She wanted to have a, a good job, and, yeah. And uh, and a and uh, the one day school in Portland, Oregon, uh, hired her as principal, and oh, cool. all hell broke loose after that. And it, oh. it was sad. Oh, it was sad. It was you know she's a single mother. Uh, they're from California. You know how religious could she be? Well, she was pretty religious, and she was pretty open minded, mm -hmm. and she won over all the people except. The son of the man who hired her, and he was so interested in having a date with my mom, and she rejected him, and he was a member of the board, and seriously, after the first year, which was pretty tumultuous because people wanted her job, and she got it, and she was an outsider, and all that shit, all that stuff that she won them over on. Yeah. A month before school was to begin, the son calls an emergency meeting, and all my mom's supporters were gone, and they voted her out. Oh. And so we had this really brief two-year stay in Portland, and then she moved back to California, moved to San Diego. Oh. And then in 85, I moved in with my dad. So what was it like uh, being a kid in the Valley? Well, it was, I guess it was, you know, when you're looking back from 52 years old, to when I was 11. Yep. You know, pretty free and happy. I rode a bike all over the place, you mm -hmm. know. and What kind of bike? It was a Schwinn banana seat. Nice. With the shifter between your legs? No shifters. It was just really just, I was very, very lame as a no, child. No, no, no. I, it was rusty. I know that did, because I left it out you... in the rain a lot. <laughs> <laughs> did you have the, the big thing behind the seat? Uh, there was a bar behind the seat that sometimes... Oh, that went up and... No, I did not have that. It wasn't... I, did you jump this bike? No. But I rode it from, like, my... So I was raised on Martha Street between uh, Whitsitt and Bel Air, south, uh -huh. of, south of Burbank. Uh-huh. And uh, so I would ride that out to, like, Valley College uh, or my dad's apartment. Uh, let's see, he was, like, across the street from, like, Grant High School, so I, like, ride my bike there. Not too far. Not too far from here, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not too far from here. And really, seriously, all this traffic right now did not happen back then. This is, this is not the valley I was raised in, so everything is new. Well, this is people like me who moved here. Right. You know, I mean, this is what happens. Right, exactly. When your planet goes from 2 billion to 8 billion. Right. Yeah. There's going to be more people. <laughs> so what you're, what you're saying is, is back then... A kid could ride his bike Absolutely. around the Val and not have to worry about traffic. Not have to worry about traffic at all. Oh, yeah, a lot of freedom. I mean, you know, it was fun. I had, I had my, you know, my, my friends from, you know, from day school were, were all in the neighborhood. It was still a very Jewish neighborhood. Back then, it was a bustling Jewish neighborhood. Uh, what temple did you go to? I went to a Dot Ariel on um, Burbank and Laurel Canyon. That was actually after we went to Shard Sedek, which was a Orthodox Right there on Chandler and, uh, like, why, west why, of Bel Air. Why were you going to Orthodox? Well, we were, my mom and dad were, were Orthodox people. Oh, they were? Well, yeah. And my mom loved the Orthodox lifestyle, except for all the, you know, 
oppressive bullshit on women. So, you know, minus that, she was perfectly happy as, as Orthodox. And then when... Um, but, like, how are, are we talking you, uh, different plates of food? and? Yeah, we do that. Really? Oh, yeah, I still keep kosher. You do? Uh-huh. Although now I'm vegetarian, so I only have one plate. So it's easier. It's a lot easier when you're vegetarian, but I will not eat, you know, I will not make meat in this house. You know, I guess my friends could come over with a burger and, you know, whatever. They'll use a paper towel. But, yeah, I'm pretty serious about my kosher. Were you kosher upbringing. in Texas, too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I didn't know this. Yeah, they had a, the, the, one of the HEBs in Texas, or in, in Austin, was, uh, was the kosher HEB. So wow. The heeb-heeb, as the locals <laughs> called it. By the way, shout out H-E-B, the greatest fucking supermarket ever. I'm sorry, Southern California. Is it really that good? Yes, Austin has out California to California with H-E-B, <laughs> where you can get affordable green tea in numerous, numerous varieties, as well as pea protein powder available at any store. <laughs> H-E-B is not an authorized sponsor of this podcast. Okay, well, this makes a little bit more sense then. Because when I was at the LA Times, you were notorious yeah. for uh, bickering with people in the yes. comments. Yes. Back when newspaper websites had comments. True. RIP. They should bring them back. It's terrible uh, that... It, no, I think it's terrible that, that the readers don't get a voice on the page. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you used it more than anybody. I was pretty vocalized. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I have my reasons for it. I, I, I kind of feel like there's a real thing that happened, and then there's the way it's portrayed. And if you're constantly portraying something, which in my wheelhouse, we have to, you know, we, we should, and I'll get a little political just for a little bit. Fine. Because this is the wheelhouse that we're in. But, you know, when it comes to Israel and the Palestinians, there is a legitimate history and there is a fake history. And when people are living the life of a fake history, you have to let them know there's some kind of, you know, that they're wrong. And there's a lot of that happening. I, I have been known to fight in comments, too. Yeah. And on Twitter. I probably did it today. I'm sure I did it yesterday. And people ask me all the time, do you think you're convincing anybody? Like, why are you doing this? Right. Isn't it a waste of time? Right. Do people say that to you, too? Well, I got an answer for that. But this is me back then, because now I consider it all a waste of time. Oh, but, you do? In retrospect? Back, well... I consider it now to be a waste of time. Oh. I think back then, back then there was sort of like a fight going on because I also did this with the Hollywood Reporter. It was surprising <laughs> to come, and that was apolitical. That was just apolitical. That was just seeing fascism show up in the comments section at the Hollywood Reporter. And you're just like, what the fuck are you doing just here? Just people would just like out talking of the blue? Talking about Jews, talking about this and the bankers. Yeah. And, just like, what are you doing here? And being up right-wing talking points. You're just like, what yeah. are you talking about? How, do you, how did you feel about Dave Chappelle talking about the Jews? You know, I think, I think Dave Chappelle touched on a subject that if he really wanted to do something about, he could. And I think he half-assed it. Because, you know, and I'm not going to blame it on Dave Chappelle, but the day after... There was spray paint. There were there was a gravesite in Chicago that was spray painted yeah. with swastikas. Right, and it's like so. What we're dealing with is real. It's mm -hmm. really real. And there's no point in saying that you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There are a lot of Jews in Hollywood. I could totally understand why you feel that way. 
Well, yeah, there are a lot of Jews in Hollywood because there were not Jews in the finance industry, in the oil industry, in the transportation industry forever and ever and ever until the Jews created Hollywood and they became their own businessmen. Mm -hmm. And that's how Hollywood started. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like... And so, you know, if, if there, and who doesn't want to be in Hollywood? You, so just because Jewish people created Hollywood, that Jewish people should not work in Hollywood for the sake of diversity of some sort? Do you, so see, make do you see Chappelle as, as a comedian or as an agitator or as what? I think he wants to see himself as an informer. Mm -hmm. And I think he's oftentimes informed, but I think that when he doesn't know what he's talking about, he doesn't act like he doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's the danger. If you don't know what you're talking about and you talk about it as if you know what you're talking about, mm -hmm. then you're just opening yourself up to all these people who are like, what the fuck are you talking about? So what should Chappelle know that he doesn't seem to know in your mind? Well... Why was Hollywood created by Jewish people? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a very basic answer. It's because there was there was uh, anti-Semitism in your in your basic American uh, backstory, just like there's been racism in your basic American backstory. Mm -hmm. So Jews were not allowed to work in certain industries mm -hmm. and they were forced to work in their own lane. And mm -hmm. so that's what they did. They used to be, you know, they used to like burlesque shows and they used to just, you know, they had stages and they had movie theaters when it was like a nickel and you would like, and then <laughs> they became movie producers because why not? That was right. a, that was a logical leap yeah. and no one was stopping them from doing it. Right. And so, you know, the problem is when people stop you from doing it. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. The problem isn't that Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, is the daughter of two Hollywood actors and she finally won an Academy Award. That shouldn't be a problem. The problem would only be if she's a terrible person. I don't think she's a terrible person. <laughs> she's married to Christopher Guest. And she shows her movies in Trading Places. I mean, how great is that? <laughs> What more does she have to do to win us over? <laughs> but you're right. To have a, a Spinal Tap guy in the front row of the Oscars was fantastic. Absolutely. Wasn't it great? Absolutely. And, and neither of her parents ever won. I think, right. they, I think they both only got nominated once. I don't even think... Uh, I mean, a guy like Tony Curtis, who died at 85, you would think that the Academy would have given him a governor's award, an, an honorary right. award. No. No. And so I think she really did feel like I, that she's the type of actress who doesn't typically get on Oscar right. type movies. And I suddenly, mean, it's a new Oscars. Let's face it. It's a new Oscars. And, it I, is. and I'm OK with that. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't bother Be me. None. Because the old Oscars all quiet on the Western Front or the Fablemans. Right. More Fablemans, I think All Quiet is 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 new Oscars because it's all CGI. It's well, all what CGI I'm saying is, on the is Western it, Front. That, to me, that's the typical movie that would win an, an Oscar. Right. Old War, fucking boring yeah, ass movie. Yeah, but movies. no CGI. I think right. I think if it was see the CGI just ruins it for me. It's like to me, it's like that doesn't make it a movie anymore. Right. Put it in animation. back to Jews in Hollywood. <laughs> Didn't you tell me once upon a time that at your temple were famous celebrities of Hollywood? Yes, I went to I went to shul with the Fonz. So. <laughs> oh, when he was being the Fonz? When he was the Fonz. So when he was the biggest man 
in in American TV. He was he was showing up at the high holiday services at a dot REL where it's mixed seating because it's conservative and conservative does not mean orthodox. Oh, so yes. women could sit next to men. Exactly. Interesting. So that was one reason why we chose a dot REL after Shari Sedek. Because your parents had had enough of, of the, the... My mom did. The full-blown Yeah, this is after the divorce. This is post-divorce. Oh. Yes. Did you know that the Fonz went to that temple? My mom had mentioned it. <laughs> and then, and then, I, then I saw him. Were you, like me, a huge fan of Happy Days? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I wanted my high school experience to be just like that. And I was a little disappointed it wasn't. Well. <laughs> also, there weren't really, like... Were there hangouts like uh, Arnold's anywhere in the Val? Like, could you oh, just show up and like? Yeah, not me. No. Yeah, I don't think so. Not not in my school either. It's I went all... to I went to a private school, so all the hangouts were basements of really nice houses that right. I was never really. And and you know I don't think to. that world really ever did exist. Right outside just, of a movie, just a real hamburger shop where everybody was fun and right. respectful. I mean, there was like a Taco Bell in between our school and North Hollywood <laughs> High that I think a lot of people went to. You know, there was right. that. Yeah. Uh, did did people um, uh, swarm Fonzie and ask for autographs and stuff? No, I was I I wanted to shake Fonzie's hand, and so I asked him, and he's he stuck out his hand, and I shook it. I said thank you. <laughs> so he was a mensch then, as he is today. Absolutely, that's fantastic. Absolutely. Did you run across any other celebs while you were a youngster? Oh well, there was. Uh, we were coming back from during a carpool. John Warner from Chips. We saw him. Wait, wait, wait. There's John and Ponch. Yes. So the blonde motorcycle yes. Uh, cop. Yes. Back when we liked cops. Back when we liked cops, and so we were so excited to see him. For and we we followed him into a bathroom, and his his friend was like, "You can't follow him into the bathroom." We were like, "But he's Chips. He's John from Chips. Of course we can." Did he look like it? Oh, it was him. Right. Absolutely. But, but he looked- oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he didn't, like, you know, we didn't figure it out any other way than noticing him. <laughs> that hair. <laughs> that hair, right? Maybe, yeah. Uh, okay, so growing up in the Val, when I think of the Valley, I think of the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Right. How far away were you? Was that a bike ride away for you? Did you ever go there? I, well, it wasn't a bike ride away from me the first time. It would have been a bike ride away from me the, the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would just drive there. I wasn't bike riding as a 15, 16, 17-year-old. I was just driving. You had a car. Yeah. Yeah. I would drive my, my grandmother's Monarch, Mercury Monarch. <laughs> and then and then, at se- and then I think, uh, yeah, my senior year, I got my first car, a, a Ford Escort pony. Not perfect first car for Absolutely. a Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I saw uh, uh, Song Remains the Same, Midnight Movie yeah. in the Valley. Did you go to Midnight Movies as a teenager? No, we always had a Rocky Horror Picture Show, though. It was always United Artists. On um, There was a UA theater on, uh, oh, God, Victory and Laurel Canyon, I want to say. Uh-huh. So, and they would always have they Is that would Sherman Oaks? That. that is, I think, North Hollywood, Van right. Nuys. You know, Van Nuys, Sherman Oaks, North Hollywood, it all kind of, Sherman Oaks is more closer to the 101 yeah. where all the houses are. And then you get like to the industrial stores, retail stuff, and yeah. all that becomes like Van Nuys, North Hollywood. So it sounds like you went to Rocky Horror more than once. Oh, no, I didn't really, I just saw that it was always out there. It was always running. That's right. the thing. It was just a part of my childhood because it was always Saturday midnight show. Where were you when the movie Valley Girl and the movie uh, Fast Times uh were, were you in high school during 
when those were released? I was well. I saw I saw Fast Times Ridgemont High when when it came out the first weekend at the Galleria. So no. it was the first meta moment of my experience, and everyone in the theater. You know, the opening sequence of the mall. I was like, hey, that's pretty funny. And then you, you know, then you zoom in on the on the Pacific Theaters guy. And we're all, fuck yeah, this is the coolest movie ever. Because you're in that theater. We're in the theater. Wow. So it was a very meta okay. moment. Was was the pizza place yes. right there too? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that was that was not a that is that is the that galleria. mall was that mall. That is the galleria. Uh what was it? Sam Goody or Licorice Pizza? I think it was Licorice Pizza. Where uh, Damone is, uh, where he goes up to the stand-up cardboard cutout right, of Debbie right. Harry. Yeah. That was probably at that, because it was at every mall. Right, right. Yeah, no, it was, you know, it was my mall. With the glass <laughs> elevator, I saw Platoon there. <laughs> I, okay. Aside from the fact that they filmed it at your mall. Yes. Did the audience love Fast Times right oh, away? Oh, Absolutely. How yeah. can you not? It was one of the greatest movies ever. It is. Yeah. yeah. And it started my love affair with Jennifer Jason Lee. Which has, uh, mine has never died. Has not died. Yeah. We, we love a lady who is willing to bear it all in the movies. And she does such a great job with everything, with all her roles. Yeah. Yeah. Even that Tarantino movie where she. Oh, uh, yeah. Did Hateful she have eight. like only one eye going? Yeah. And she spits on people. Yeah. Fuck yeah. She was great. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, the song Valley Girl. Yes. How was that received by the teens of the Valley? I think most people, well, let's put it this way. I went to Oakwood, so I didn't go to North Hollywood High. So I went to where the song, I guess, was inspired because really? this moon unit went to Oakwood. Is, is that a private school? It is a private school. Is it yeah. Jewish? No, it's, uh, it's college prep. So... Uh, you know, so your parents uh, paid some bucks to get you in there. Well, you know, lucky, lucky for me, I was involved in a car accident at 13 oh in between God. San Diego and L.A. So there was a settlement with that. And that was how a, I bought I was able to get the Ford Escort pony, but also how I paid for the Oakwood education. Yeah, really? Well, yeah, I paid a third of my and I paid a third of my way throughout college, you know, with that money. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, my parents instilled that in me. It was it was wow. a good move on their behalf. And yeah. Were, were you OK after this uh, accident? Did uh, I was in the well, back when you were in the hospital for 10 days, I was in the hospital for 10 days. I was mm -hmm. in traction for seven. And uh, I'm still like, I'm, you know, I physically still have issues because, uh, you know, I'm getting older. So whatever mm -hmm. arthritis I have is based off of that one leg I'm is sorry. shorter than the other. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Do you use that with the ladies? Ever been with the guys? You would with think that, you know, a bow-legged man would have some luck in that regard. Yeah. So, yeah. Ever been with a guy that used to have a Ford Escort? <laughs> Here's your chance, baby. Ford Escort with uh, natural air. <laughs> Uh, okay, wait, so wait a second. I think we skipped over something here. Did you go to school with Moon Unit? I went to Moon Unit school. I didn't go to school with Moon Unit. She's older than you. She's older than me, yeah. Th were any of the other Zappas at that school? Dweezil went to that school. He's younger than me. So you missed both Zappas. And then I think the youngest, obviously, the youngest is the youngest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, miss, I miss the Zappas. I went to school with, uh, oh, the poor kid from Poltergeist. He the was in my French class. Oh, the, Oliver. Dude, the kid. Yeah, uh, the boy. I don't remember him for some He's reason. He's the guy who didn't die from the movie. <laughs> right. And so 
my best friend and I, we were terrible because, you know, we wanted to pick on someone and we chose Oliver. And no. so, yeah, we would be like, you know, you're not special because you're not, because you're still here, man. <laughs> they took, they took the, they took the, the good little actress girl. And anyways, we were meet up for Oliver. Sorry, Oliver. I forget your last name. I'm sorry, man. Okay. Let's wrap it up with the Dodgers. Okay. You are wearing a Dodger cap. Yes. You wore a Dodger cap while you were in Texas. Absolutely. You never wore a Houston Astros uh, oh, cap? Oh, God, no. <laughs> you know, the Houston Astros did a great thing with J.R. Richard in that they had J. They had employed J.R. Richard. He was a great pitcher. Yeah. Motherfucking great pitcher. And, you know, outside of like those 70s and 80s Astros, I just, I find no pleasure in them. And well, those I uniforms back then, the, the J.R. Richard, uh, Nolan Ryan era yeah. uniforms were Top notch, right? absolutely. Maybe the best ever in baseball. Well, you know, best ever outside of, outside of L.A. Sure, I love the Dodger. The Dodgers there. uniform is incredibly classy. Yes, and what I like about it is, um, it's not that much different than Jackie Robinson's right jerseys, um, and I don't feel like the Dodgers do a lot of the monkey business that the other teams do. With uh, their uniforms. Well, that that silly Nike thing, the Los Dodgers. Right. I don't really like that at all. But I bet you our Latino friends love it. They, they might. Yeah. They might. I can't really say for sure. And they're a huge chunk of Dodger fans. Yes. Yes. But, you know, I think, I don't know. I think they should have eh, done something else if they were going to do something else. But, but if that's a, a huge chunk of your audience. Sure. I mean, that's Nike's and, way and, of thinking. And if you're not offending them, that's the other thing. Right. Because when I heard Doyers, I was like, right. is that offensive? Right. And it seems like it's not. I guess not. I think they like that. I always think it's kind of silly, but, you know, right. whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, did you ever lose faith in the Dodgers? No, I followed them throughout. I mean, their worst years were my high school years, mm -hmm. you know, 86 and 87. And then, of course, 88 was the great year. But 86 yeah. was, was awful, and 87 was just as bad. Where were you when Kirk Gibson hit that home run in 88? I was in San Miguel Hall on UCSB campus. Yeah. Yes, and I was, I was a loud mouth on the couch and we had a crowded room yeah and we had so many people from the bay area I bet. and they were mostly giants fans they were like a couple of ace fans yeah and so the ace fans obviously i kind of felt more connected with the ace fans because we were in it for the same reasons it was the bay it was the rest of the bay area bozos that hated the dodgers just because they were the dodgers and yeah. so there was a lot of that going on and when Kirk hit that home run, man, it was just like everyone had shut the fuck up except me and three other people. And mm -hmm. we, and then soon enough, by the time we were done celebrating, the, the room was empty. It was great. It was just us. So you were in the dorms for yeah. that. So I am a little older than you. Yeah, just a little. A little. Because I came down here to babysit my uh, stepbrothers, and they were being very loud. And so I sent them to their room. <laughs> Because I was like, if you don't appreciate what's going on here, first of all, I hate you. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> I don't hate you, but you know, this is something great happening right in front of you, and and I didn't realize how great it was it was going to end up. Yeah, but you could see it building. Yeah, and Vince Scully, of course, the greatest narrator of all, absolutely, um, spelling it all out. 
Kirk Gibson, even Dennis Eckersley. Who doesn't love Dennis Eckersley, right? You know? Well, right? his daughter, his adopted daughter. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with her? The, she gave birth in Connecticut woods and dropped her baby off. Like, in the, it was bad. Oh. And so she's got a lot of, she's got a drug issue. It, oh. it was recent. Yeah. She doesn't like him. She's upset at her folks. All right. Well. It's too bad. So, okay. So, so you did get to see that. Yeah. Oh, it was one of the how, greatest moments of my life. Absolutely. How do you feel about the most recent uh, World Series championship? Absolutely doesn't exist for me. I'm so mad. Really? At, oh, I'm still mad. It's at the a Astros. Mickey Mouse uh, trophy to you. Oh, it will always be. I mean, you know, they got what did they get? They got a five million dollar fine because those are the rules in baseball. A fine it's for like, what? Uh, the team. The team got fined like five million dollars because uh, because they stole the World Series in 2017. Oh, yeah, I'm still mad about that. I'm always oh, be mad oh, about wait, that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You're talking about the Astros. Yeah. I'm asking you oh. about when the Dodgers finally won again. Oh. Oh, 2020. Yeah. Oh, that counts. That counts. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing See, else to be this, said about this that. This is why I love you, Asher. You have a heart of gold. <laughs> but when you're mad at something, you, it's, it's... Well, there's a point to hold on to it. You know? <laughs> So just to bring it back a little bit, the reason why I used to do what I did on the on the message boards yeah. was because there was going to be somebody who was going to read what I said, mm -hmm. and that point had to be made. And somebody will look at that, and they just might view the world differently. You know, I dated I dated a, a gal, uh, great great gal, I really love her. We we love each other, but you know we're not we're not married or anything like that, and yeah. we would never be. But when we started dating, she was on the opposite end of that spectrum than me, and and I explained to her exactly you know what it is that 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 she you need to do. You just need to like look at the whole story, and now she knows more about the Israeli government <laughs> than not necessarily me. But definitely most of the people that she has conversations with. And it's just like, hey, I trust what you have to say because you know all these people. Mm -hmm. You are name dropping well. You do know who the previous prime minister was, you know, from currently. Like BB, who was BB mad at? You know who that guy is. Yeah. And that's what matters. I haven't heard about Hezbollah in a long time. Yeah, well, fuck those guys. You know, but what I'm saying is their PR department is pretty bad, right? Well, Syria had that had that. Uh, well, so it wasn't Syria that had the explosion, but Lebanon had the explosion, and Hezbollah was in charge of of Lebanon, mm -hmm. and so yeah, I think since that port explosion, uh, you know, which says a lot about I think Lebanon because because. Uh, Texas had a fertilizer explosion and killed 15 volunteer firefighters in West Texas. And our attorney general was the current governor of Texas. And he rolled over and let the Koch brothers do whatever the fuck they did. Mm -hmm. It was their fertilizer that killed 15 people. Back and to the Dodgers, <laughs> sir. Yes. How do you feel about this new announcer? Joe. Uh... Oh, you know, he's not. He's not. He's not Vin Scully. Well, nobody is. Yeah, no one but is. I can't even. He's okay. He's he's grown on me. I think at he first. Has? Yeah, at first I was like, who the fuck is this guy? But right. you know, because I obviously he didn't know anything about about baseball. He came from a football background, and so he knew very little about baseball. Is that baseball. the problem I have with yeah. him? Yeah, Joe Davis. Yeah, he, but he also just seems like just modern phony baloney yeah. announcer guy. Yeah, but he does his homework. 
I think he's been doing his like over the five years that I've or right. whatever it's been. I think he's done his homework. And, and sitting and, next door, uh, sitting next to uh, who's Oral. Oral, yeah, yeah, yeah with his who dad does jokes. know his stuff. Who does know his stuff, but his dad jokes suck. So I don't like that team at all. <laughs> that that broadcasting team. I don't. Yeah. How do you feel about Char- Charlie Steiner? You know, I think Charlie's all right. You wouldn't have put him on the TV booth? No, I kind of put him on the same level as Jerry Doggett. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah. Like, I, would, I, would, I, I liked Ross Porter. Yes. I thought, I thought when it was Vin, Ross, Vin, that was the greatest way to listen to a ball game. Yeah. And so I'm used to three innings of Ross Porter just throwing down the stats yep. and giving you all this backstory nonsense. That means absolutely nothing, but you're just going to get between, you know, innings four and six. Yeah. And then back comes Vin with the same stories from one and three, but who cares? It's Vin. <laughs> You know, it's beautiful. That was that was great baseball. When was the last time you've been to Dodger Stadium? With you, when I got the world champion, uh, eighty-one world champion blanket. So you haven't seen the uh, new uh, behind the no. Well, we gotta go. Yeah, we should because they've opened up the outfield now, and you can buy any ticket and you can roam around the entire park now. That's what I hear, which makes me very happy. Because I want to roam. I yeah. want to see it all. Yeah. I don't have to sit in the box seats all day right. or in the bleachers all day. I want to I wanna see the people. Yeah. And so you can see all the people now. Yeah. That's great. Uh, how do you feel about your team this year? Well, it's, uh, it's definitely a new team. I'm, I'm sad about Cody not being with us. I blame Scott Boris for being an asshole, but that's the that. guy. The guy hit like... I know, 10. I know. That's why he should have stayed with the Dodgers on a little bit of a discount on his last year of, of arbitration. Because well, I think the Cubs got him for like a million bucks or something. You Well, you guys got him for $70 million guaranteed, so that includes a potential buyout. And if you don't buy him out, it goes up to, like, he gets $12 million next year. Or but is the Dodgers like paying for most of that, though? No. We paid $17 million for Cody Bellinger? You're paying $10 million and then a buyout. But yes, you're bucks. gonna. It's gonna be seventeen million dollars. Okay. So it's it's you know Scott Boris telling you that you know Cody's a really good fielder and he's a really good runner and he's going to get a swing back. I just want him to adjust his swing. That's all I want him to do. He's a former rookie of the year. Yeah. I mean that's not bad. Ten million for. Yeah. And what I mean, is he? Twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah, exactly. And he's been making seventeen million the last three years, anyways. Right. So because he won the MVP at such. Would a young you age. have kept uh, Clayton? Well, Clayton's still on the team. Would you have kept him? Absolutely. I would not have. Oh. Because I look at him the same way that the Lakers had to deal with Kobe. Okay. Which was a guy past his prime. All right. Who's taken up all this cap space and all this money. Sure. But you don't look at it that way. No. He's your boy. Absolutely. He's done so much for the team. He deserves. I mean, you know, they're giving up. He's going year by year. Yeah. I think that's fair. And we give him a nice. We. We. We give him a nice contract. I smoke a lot of pot during ball games, and that's my contribution <laughs> to the Dodgers season. So, Wait, you're not part of the Magic Johnson ownership team? <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> the Jews don't run all of Hollywood. <laughs> not this one. <laughs> I just want a job in it. That'd be cool. Would you have kept uh, Justin Turner? Uh, you know, I think Justin Turner wanted to get more money. I thought he was... I didn't think he was that bad in the field, mm-hmm. but um, but obviously the brass did, and so and I guess Justin Turner 
didn't really defend himself in any way, so maybe he felt he was losing a spot. But I thought he did fine at third base last year. Did you like Trey Turner as a Dodger? Yes, I did. Uh, and I think they what I think they uh, they kind of messed up when they put Gavin in center. So they traded for Trey, put him at second, and put Gavin in center. And they should have switched that. They should have put Trey in center and Gavin at second. They would have done better against the Braves, I think. I guess I, I'm asking that as a loaded question because I feel like neither Trey nor Freddie Freeman really loved being Dodgers. Well, Freddie's from out here. Yeah, but I, I still feel like he wants to be back in Atlanta. No, I don't think that. All right, good. Yeah. I'm but Trey Turner, I could see that. You know, no real reason not to. I mean, he, he gave it his all. It's not like he lollygagged it. You know, he's a professional, and that's what matters. What's your stance on uh, my friend Little League Preeg? On who? Puig. Oh, I love Yaziel Puig. Would you uh, buy back his contract from uh, Korea or wherever he's oh, at? Oh, not right, right now. now. No, the poor guy is just... Yeah, he's he's lost the stamina. I think. You think so? I think so. Wasn't he the MVP of the World Series over there? I think he's doing good. Yeah, but he's also got like that legal issue, and it's going to take a lot. Of Who stamina. among us doesn't have legal issues? <laughs> Would you have signed uh, Trevor Bauer? No. What's your stance on him? Well, I think I think first of all, I wouldn't have signed him in the first place because you Cy know, Young Award winner. Cy Young Award winner, but everyone knows that you're using sticky stuff. He and admitted, he, he admitted, admitted to it, it, and he said to the world he was doing it. And, and you're he gonna, said all of Major League Baseball is doing it, and right. here's how you, and you catch need it. To, and you need to change the rules, so I kind of respect him for that. I think, we, when he we, was, I think when he was with the Dodgers before he got caught punching that chick in the face, when he was with the allegedly, Dodgers. Allegedly? Uh, no, I think it happened. <laughs> <laughs> but the court didn't. The court didn't think it was illegal to punch her in the face. Because she asked for she it, asked according for it. to the court? According to the court, it was all part of consensual sex. This is the most controversial sex. conversation we could have right now. I mean, <laughs> but fuck it. We're, we're almost an hour into this podcast. But you if know what? I think if, if you have a starting pitcher who, who likes to punch women in the face and choke them in bed, I think that that will really have an effect on the women who want to watch and root for your team. Exactly. And that's why nobody else has touched Trevor Bauer no. except some team in Japan. That's right. Because you know why? Because they're kind of kinky in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they would... You know, you raise a good point. Yeah. They he are. Did. Yeah. They got and, some weird and, shit going on in and, Japan. And they would understand because it's even hard for us to talk about it. Right. It's even, it's hard for us to say she literally asked for it because it makes us sound like jerks. I mean, let's put it this way. She doesn't come off as like a really nice individual to me. Right. You know, based off of her actions from what had happened and how his career has derailed. I mean, I was never a Trevor Bauer fan, but right. I am a man. And I think if you're going to have... Uh, I think it's easy to take men down if you are an unstable woman. I just do. And it doesn't mean that every woman who takes a man down is unstable. Right. But it is an avenue that unstable women will do. And it, it, in some it, cases, this happened. But he's also unstable. Exactly. So it was a perfect match. <laughs> it was. You know? It was a match made in hell. Yeah. Also, did you see the the either the picture or the video of her after this alleged assault? No, I won't. I won't. I won't see stuff like she that. She took a selfie from bed in like the early morning, like it was sunlight, natural light, and she wasn't beaten up, mm -hmm. and she was kind of like bragging, right. Right. "Hey, look at me with this guy." Yeah. And 
I agree with you. He seems like your typical frat boy, uh, privileged in a sense that, you know, he probably had anything he wanted when he was at UCLA. And then he shows up in the uh, Major League Baseball and figures out how to work the system with the sticky stuff. Right. And brag about it. Right. And um, well, I mean, he even challenged. I mean, what I what I respected was he challenged MLB to to enforce the rules, right? But he still went on to win the Cy Young Award. He was still a over four ERA pitcher before that. Yeah, and you know, and so it's just like Jesus, Dodgers. Why did you front load this contract? Why did you do this? I think it's because he wanted. I think the Dodgers wanted him to teach them how to do this. Maybe because they didn't need him. No. I, I mean, think he was their number him. three starter when they got him. Well, right? they gave him that weird contract. If he he didn't have to be a Dodger, he could have out of could gone out of his contract if he wanted to. He could have been bought out. That was like his decision to be released by the Dodgers. So yeah. he could have ended that relationship too if he didn't like it. And that's what they were waiting for him to do. Yeah. And he's like, "No, I want my money." Okay, great. You got your money. You don't have a career. You aren't going to have a career, but you got your money, so you made that decision. But what kind of money were you talking? Oh. Thousands of, I know, like three hundred, like, like thirty-seven million a yeah. year, right? Yeah, thirty-seven. Well, I million? mean, that was a front-loaded part of the deal. Ah. I think it was like fifteen or seventeen million by the third year, or something right. like that. Right. I don't know the actual numbers, but I do know they declined in time as opposed to increased. Okay, your young uh, Latino pitcher with the glasses, yes, who, who pushed Urias. Julio Urias, yes, who pushed a woman. He did. Do we feel bad about that? Has he pushed her since? There you go. Yeah. Did she ask to be pushed? Probably not. Right. You know, but was she in high heels in a garage? Maybe. No, I think she was in a parking lot. Right. Oh, I thought it was a parking garage. Maybe it was the Beverly Center. Yeah. There was some parking going on. Right. There was parking going on, and I think she had heels on, in all honesty. Okay. I think Murgatroyd is telling us that we got to (laughs) go. This dog has so much energy. It's crazy. He's a Catahoula. He's a state dog of Louisiana. Now imagine, now just just think about Baton Rouge. Yeah. And football. LSU football. This is their state dog. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. All right, real quick. What food places are you happy to frequent now that you're back in the valley? There's a really good uh, Mexican seafood restaurant down Oxnard. I just, uh, I know it has Moriscos, but it ain't Moriscos. It's just got the word Morisco in the, in the name. Yeah. <laughs> so I like them. Um, you know, I, I, need a, I need to go to a, a couple of veggie places for sure. Yeah. So there's a veggie grill that I want to check out. Oh, sorry. My dog is now jumping on the interviewer. Is hey, Murray, sniffing my mic, on. jumping on top of the host. <laughs> come here, bud. I think that means it's time to go. Asher, we're so happy that you're back in L.A. Thanks, Tony. It's nice I'm to be here. I'm sorry it's raining. Oh, that's what happens. And it's flooding around your streets here in the valley. And yet, you know what? We have something to drink in two years, so. True. <laughs> Welcome back. We'll be going to Dodger games. Yay. All right. Thanks, man. I'll see you at the weed store. Sounds great. How great was Asher? You know who we'd like to sit back and talk about the old days on a rainy afternoon in the 818? Our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, here's an $8 cocktail. 
Screw it, have two. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Grinky, Ben Welsh, Jen Adams, Trevor Wilson, Bree Wild, Dougie Gyro, Christina Up North, Robin Carey, Adam Shorn, Ben from Down Under, and Chris from the ATX. Go to Patreon. Uh, uh, to be a Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you got to do is PayPal or Venmo, 25 bucks or more, and we will list you on the Here in LA website or Medium blog forever. Just send your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us, but you just moved halfway across the country and your money is a little bit tied up in the Silicon Valley Bank? No problem. You can still help. Post your favorite episode on your Facebook. Oh my God, post two. Tweet something nice about this. Anytime you see me post about a, an episode, you can repost it or retweet it or do whatever you got to do. And for God's sake, tell your friends. Tell them how Here in L.A. is spelled and it's on Apple Podcasts and Google and even Spotify. Here in L.A. is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and a man who knows a few things about grungy Texas rock clubs, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and music venue owners everywhere, giving the kids a place to hear and be heard. Thank you for the party rocking! Yay.